0: Nothing ruins a perfectly good grocery haul like surprise fees. That's why Kroger has free pickup so you can get what you need and none of the extra charges you don't. Simply head to the Kroger app and start your cart and enjoy the perks of picking up groceries and household items without hidden fees. Now, the only surprise will just be how amazing that new flavor of ice cream tastes. Kroger, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Irish cream cold brew with cold foam now at Tim Hortons, or try cold foam on any of your Tim Hortons favorites. Modifications extra for limited time at participating U.S. locations.
1: The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. And welcome to the XOne, everyone. I am Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you right here around the world on the Exxon Broadcast Network and our growing family of broadcast affiliates right around the great world of ours and satellite programming providers. And we're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com and all social media sites, Radio TV. And if you'd like to find out what the programming is available that we have for you fine listeners around the world on the Exxon Broadcast Network 24-7-365, visit the website at www.xzbn.net. What an exciting time for the Exxon and the Exxon Nation this is. All right, let's just put a few things into perspective, okay? October 15, the Exxon TV channel commences on Simultv. 7-24-365, the very best of paranormal parapsychology TV programming. It's going to be there. You'll be able to sign up, subscribe, and watch at www.simultv.com. Or, and this is the, another exciting part, or the, the TV box that Simultv's president, CEO, and founder, Stephen Turner, has developed. It's a little box that attaches to your TV set. It comes with 100 video games. It comes with movies. You can search the Internet on your TV. You can chat, Netflix, and a lot more. And You're going to be hearing a lot more about this, not only from Simultv, not only from the Exxon Radio TV show, not only on the Exxon Broadcast Network, newspapers, magazines, publications, digital, print, radio, TV. It is big. And there's going to be fascinating and specials for one and all. And they're going to be available for you to see and uh, participate in at exxonradiotv.com, xzbn.net, and the all-new channel.com. My guest this hour, XZone Nation, is a gentleman that I've had the pleasure of not only having on the show before, but having met in person. Grant Cameron is his name. And I'm just going to give you a little bit of a synopsis of what we're going to be talking about tonight with Grant. In 1975, Manitobans reported UFOs over their province almost nightly. The string of unprecedented sightings launched the biggest UFO craze in Canadian history. With sightings for well over a year, one object seen again and again became known as Charlie Red Star. Our guest is our Grant Cameron was there. He witnessed Charlie Red Star many times and led tours for others to see for themselves. He also caught wind of rumors of nuclear testing south of the Canadian-U.S. border, which might have been the cause of the unexplained phenomena cited in the upper atmosphere. This is the story revealed by eyewitnesses, photographers, and reporters chasing down the truth behind the very still, unexplained encounters with UFOs and Charlie Redstar. Grant has been a UFO researcher since 1975 and was recognized for both the Leeds Conference International Researcher of the Year and the UFO Congress Researcher of the Year. He is a world renowned expert on UFOs, conspiracies, and government cover ups and has spent decades watching and chronicling developments around extraterrestrial contact. And uh, Grant lives in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And uh, Grant, welcome back to the Exxon. Always great having you with us. Well, thanks, Rob. I appreciate your interest. Grant, since you and I have talked, and it was a couple of months ago, has there, any, has there been any new developments about Charlie Red Star? <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, just today I got um, a email from the woman who actually got the book published. I wasn't the one that got it published. It was a woman um, uh, by the name of Teza Lawrence, who's a TV producer in Toronto who um, w- wanted to option my book for a movie. Mm-hmm. And um, so she went and got this thing, um, a-, a contract. I sort of backed out of the contract, made everybody look stupid. And then she went back again a, a year later, or a little bit more, to um, get this book published that would coordinate with this movie. All right, and I hate she, to do this, Grant.
1: I hate to do this, but I, yep. I like to lost track of time, my friend, and that's what happens when I talk to interesting people like you. So we're <laughs> going to do a bit of a cliffhanger here. Grant Cameron is my special guest, Exon Nation, and we're going to be talking uh, to Grant about his book and much more. The book is entitled Charlie Red Star, True Reports of One of North America's Biggest UFO Sightings. His website is presidentialufo.com. This is the Exxon. Grant Cameron and I will return after this break. Don't you dare go away. Explanation: our guest is Grant Cameron he is the author of Charlie Red Star True Reports of one of North America's biggest UFO sightings and is published by the good people at Dundurn his website is www.presidentialufo.com All right Grant before I so rudely interrupted you because I lost track of time we were you were talking about the TV producer in Toronto who actually got the book published and so take us back there
2: Okay, so she wants to get this thing published, um, she gets sick, she puts the thing on the on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, options, my book and options, two other books by uh, the Project Rama people, if you're familiar with this Project Rama, it's a contactee group out of Peru, and you see the weirdness of the synchronicities of, of how these stories unfold. She gets the movie, she puts it on the shelf, but she does a teaser reel, and she actually sent it to me today. Uh, it's a minute and a half long, and it looks like Close Encounters of the Third Client. It's like a very high-quality movie that they had the script. Everything was all ready to go, and she put it on the shelf. And then what happened was after the book got published, uh, which really had nothing to do with me, um, the, this Project Rama that was going to be part of the Charlie Red Star movie, um, they are in, in contact with uh, aliens from a planet by the name of Apu. So anyway, I, I, the, the book gets published. I go down to the United States. I'm going to a uh, meditation, world meditation for peace, meditation on Mount Shasta. And I'm going down there and I'm traveling across the Nevada desert. And a phone call comes in on, uh, there's a girl with me, comes in on her cell phone. And it's a message from an alien. This is the second time in my life I've got a message from an alien. And it's from an alien by the name of Aunt Terrell. And uh, the message says, uh, Antarell knows Grant is coming to the mountain. On Saturday night, there will be a programmed uh, encounter. And so I go, okay, well, whatever, you know, we'll see what happens here. And when I got there, the, there was a programmed event, and it was kind of weird. I won't get into that, but there was a, an event happened exactly when people said 9.33 on the Saturday night. But when I got there, I ran into probably the biggest story I've, I've ever run into, and that was that this Antarell Alien. Uh, landed in 2014, 2015 in the forest where we were. And so they've had encounters uh, 12, 13, 14, 15, nothing in 16, and then 17 when when I was there. And um, I was interviewing a researcher by Paula Harris, if you know who she is. She runs a big conference in in Mm Laughlin, Nevada. And I'm filming with her where all these events took place. And she was in the 14 and 15 event, and suddenly she tells Mm -hmm. me, like, there's all these witnesses, and I said, what and then suddenly there's 11 witnesses to the first one and they're like face-to-face with an alien in this forest thing and uh, The people are all there. So I go and I say, well, okay, and I see them They're all just scattering nobody wants to talk and they're all from Latin America from Central America Most of them don't speak English which is why they didn't want to be interviewed But I got a number Mm -hmm. of these people on camera and they're all basically telling the same story of this encounter especially the one in 2014 Uh, was just absolutely bizarre. There's no doubt these people were telling the truth. Uh, Eleven people who were face-to-face with this alien. and And the bizarre part was that this is connected to my book. So uh, I had no interest in the movie, and no no interest in this uh, the Rama group that that are these people who follow the this this sort of uh, planet and they these these contacts are having. I was no not interested. This is what the movie was going to be. It was going to be of them and about Charlie Red Star, all in one movie. And then suddenly, I get dragged into the same story. And I say it's to me, it's it's as good as Rendlesham Forest they had two witnesses who were close to close, you know, up, up close to a UFO. This had 11 witnesses. These people were like 20, 30 feet away from this thing. And they're all telling basically the same story, how these two UFOs that were filmed as they came in. And then they went into the forest looking for what they call a Zendra. And uh, the Zendra is like a, the sort of the South American equivalent of a portal. And the CIA, I may have mentioned last time I was on, the CIA is pushing this story about portals. They seem to want this story out that there's an interdimensional aspect to the UFO phenomena. So this is this bizarre sort of world that I live in, where uh, every day it is the story sort of gets bigger and bigger. And and I, I said I want out of UFOs. I said definitely I want to get out. And then as soon as I got to Shasta, I went like. It's almost like the Charlie Red Star thing. Why is nobody following this story? Like 2012, 13, sure. 14, 15, and dozens and dozens of witnesses who are still there. They all come there every year. And so I've started to log this, and I've been putting on my Facebook site some of the videos that I took of these of these uh, witnesses who really don't speak English very well, mm-hmm. but who are basically telling this very direct encounter that they had, like a contactee encounter, with a being within feet of this being, and it was a programmed event. How did this... Extraterrestrial
1: know how to contact the the female companion that you were with. How did he get her
2: her, her cell number? Did he know uh, this person before? Okay, the 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 guy who's sort of the main contactee. His name is uh, Ricardo Gonzalez. He's had I think about twelve or about twelve encounters over twenty years. He had his sightings back in Peru in uh, 1977, somewhere in that in that period of time. And so, basically, uh, they invited this Paula Harris in 2014-2015. Right. This Antarel gave her the invite to come there. And both times, she was inside this Zendra-type object where she was face-to-face with this being. And the message came through her. She was supposed to deliver the message to me. It came from Antarel to Ricardo Gonzalez to Paula Harris to tell Grant Cameron, we know he's coming to the mountain, and there's going to be a planned uh, event on, on the Saturday night. And they, it was a kind of a bizarre event. But it was nothing – I was hoping, you know, we were going to get something in the forest. Nothing happened. But when, when I suddenly realized that all these people from 2014 and 15 were there, and I started going around, and a lot of them said, no, no, I don't want to talk. My English isn't very good. I don't want to talk. So these, aren't, these are not people who are out to get their story publicized. They're doing exactly the opposite. They're, they're trying to avoid me. And I know who all the witnesses are. I've got all their names. And just to me, it's uh, the, one of the best stories I have ever seen.
1: All right. For those people who may not have heard you, the last time you're on, you were on with us, Grant. Can you tell them about Charlie Red
2: Star? Okay, Charlie Red Star is how I got dragged down the rabbit hole. I had no interest in <laughs> UFOs, uh, no interest in. I was interested in paranormal phenomena. I was interested in Edgar Casey. I had done a study at the hospital when I was at university on, on dying patients. Do they ever predict their death? Does anybody ever come before they die? Uh, Does anybody ever have near death experiences? And that was when it was first starting in the 70s. Mm -hmm. So I was interested in kind of weird stuff. And what happened was there's a town in Manitoba here uh, that was having these sightings almost every night. And so we were in in Winnipeg, which is the big city, about 35 miles away. And I said to my friend, I said, well, why don't instead of driving around Winnipeg, you know, cruising the city in Mm -hmm. a car, why don't we go out and see what he was looking at? And we didn't go out for, it would be at least three months. And this story was, it was in the paper and and the local TV studio, the CTV affiliate here actually caught this thing jumping off the ground. They caught it on the ground on film. And so it was a big story here in Winnipeg. And so I went out and I describe it very clearly every time. It was like I had bought the lottery ticket thinking there's a chance I can win, but there's no way we're going to see anything. Went out there, we drove in and out of the town for an hour looking, couldn't see what everybody's looking at. And my friend said, we'll drive into town one more time. If we don't see anything, let's go home. I said, fantastic, total waste of time. So we, were driving, we turned the car to go back into Carmen. The thing came from the left to the right. And it was my first uh, sort of lesson in ufology and in reality that if you have not seen anything, all you can do is be a believer or a disbeliever. You cannot know. You can only know by actually being in the lab and seeing it happen. And when it came, nobody said, is that what they're looking at? I wonder if that's what it was. It was like everybody went, there it is. Everybody just instantly knew this or what wow. it was. Down low, right in front of the car, red pulsing plasma object, uh, very bizarre, bobbing up and down, and I dragged all my friends out two nights later. They didn't stay. I saw it came, the second night came right at me the second night, and I was hooked. I just fell off the edge of the earth, and for since 1975, I just cannot get out of my mind. I wanted to know what was it that mm-hmm. I had seen that night because it was just so bizarre, and I figured somewhere in this world, somebody has an answer to what's going on.
1: How did it become known as Charlie Red Star?
2: Well, it did look like a, a red plasma object, and one woman wrote a poem about, she's sort of like this mythical uh, Charlie Red Star, Chief Charlie Red Star, and she wrote a poem about it, and she was one of the sort of the key witnesses who were seeing this thing quite often. So uh, I used the name, and then the paper started picking up the name, and then they would actually have it in their advertising. They would say, shopper Charlie Red Star shops. They would actually have this in their newspapers. So it was just a thing, but it, did, it was a red object. It was... Uh, very, very bizarre, like a red plasma object is as close as I can describe it. Fascinating. Any idea where it comes from? at that time i thought it was uh, definitely the second night first night i was just floored by what had happened i really didn't think much the second night i remember it made a turn it came right at us within about maybe a half a mile it was down very low to the ground same as the first night maybe 100 150 feet in the air made a turn and i remember watching it just sort of slowly pulsing as it flew off into the northeast and i was thinking like wow that could be for another planet in all the years I've done it, the more I've learned about the role of consciousness, that consciousness is key to this whole phenomena. The more I think about it, the more I think that this may be, uh, may have an extraterrestrial connection to it, but it's much more complex. It's got more to do with reality and multidimensional and that kind of stuff. That's why I got so interested in portals, because if this is confirmed, if they are actually going to drop this into the public that portals exist, then it's not rocket ships going at the speed of of light. (laughs) It's entangled particles like quantum physics, where they're they're coming in and going back out. That they can move through, through from one point in space to another point in space just by moving through like a wormhole or a, w- a Zendra or. A I portal. was just
1: going to ask you: Is there a difference between a porthole
2: and a wormhole? Well, this is the, these are all hypothetical ideas that they have about bending mm-hmm. space and being able to move through space. It's the same sort of same sort of idea, and and it it does have this idea. Especially if you get the entangled particle experiment where you have one particle on one side of the universe one on the other side and you change the spin of the one particle the other one instantly changes and that was when Ben Rich who was the head of Lockheed Skunkworks, was asked in 1994 how did it get here Ben how does it work and he said let me ask you a question what do you know about ESP. And the guy, it was Jan Hartson, the international director from UFON, who actually asked him the question. Right. And Jan said, oh, it means everything in time and space is connected. And Ben said, that's how it works. Yeah. It is this whole deal that, deal that there may not be time and space the way we think of it. And that they just understand and they can move from one point in space to another just by going through like a wormhole, a Zendra, or a, uh, you know, a, a, a portal. So let me ask you
1: this question. Is Charlie Red Star a UFO or uh, an extraterrestrial craft that is inhabited and controlled by extraterrestrials. Yeah, that's
2: a $64,000 question. Uh I'm thinking more, as I said, I'm thinking more, less and less all the time that it's got this ET component. A lot of experiences, I do a lot of time talking with experiencers who I believe are very important because Mm -hmm. they're dealing with the actual, the, the, the intelligence. Right. And a lot of them, I'll ask them, did you ask the alien, are you an alien? And they will be told, no, I were not. And we it's like a screen imaging thing where they can going to appear like a deer, an owl, yeah. uh, an alien, and that you may project, you may manifest what type of aliens. So if you see a gray, you're manifesting something. It, it depends upon like, almost like a near-death experience that okay. you manifest. How this thing is unfolding so I it has this component I think it's all consciousness hmm. so they're coming from this higher level a higher vibration of consciousness they can come into the physical world become physical and go back we just think that we're in the physical world and you can't go into other sort of dimensions so they're they're less physical and that's the way I would describe it than we are I, I'm gonna say the whole phenomenon is gonna be less physical than people think it is absolutely I'm sure of it and it's gonna be a much more and the bad word is spiritual but it's gonna be uh, a lot less uh, more in terms of what is reality, what are we doing here and this sort of stuff and the, the kind of messages that they're giving us and stuff like that it, it, it's, um, it's, it's I, in 75 I would have said definitely E.T., and I thought like Jack Valet started that and J- John Keel, all these guys came up with this idea that that may not be ETs. I used to think they're nuts. And now I know where they're coming from. I, I, I agree because there are very bizarre. For example, if you ever see an experiencer who's had a lifelong experience with an alien, mm-hmm. just ask him, did the alien ever get any older? Every single one of them will say, no, it never got any older. So all right, stand by,
1: Grant, my friend. You yep. and I have to uh, take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Interesting conversation with a fellow Canadian and a very interesting gentleman. Family.
0: Here at Mountain Dew, we'd like to remind you, you gotta know what's important and what's not important. Knowing how to tie a tie? Not important. Keeping a diary? Not important. Trying all the different bold flavors of Mountain Dew? Important. Experience the boldest flavors on earth. Do the do. Here at Mountain Dew, we'd like to remind you, you gotta know what's important and what's not important. Knowing how to tie a tie? Not important. Keeping a diary? Not important. Trying all the different bold flavors of Mountain Dew? Important. Experience the boldest flavors on earth. <coughs> do the do. At Mountain Dew, we'd like to recognize the number zero for making Mountain Dew zero sugar possible. You have no reason not to try it, as in zero.
1: Get it? Crack open an ice-cold Mountain Dew zero sugar. It's zero sugar, all do. ...himself, one of Canada's leading UFO investigators, lecturer, and uh, you can always find Grant on the uh, UFO symposium. Um, circuit, especially here in Canada. Grant Cameron is the author of Charlie Red Star, True reports of one of North America's biggest UFO sightings. His website is presidentialufo.com. We'll both be back after the news. Don't go away. Exonation, Nation, Grant Cameron is our special guest, a fellow Canadian and one of Canada's number one UFO researchers. Um, he is a new book that is going to blow your mind away. And, uh, you know, this is going to be a super Christmas gift if you know somebody who is into UFOs, the unknown, astronomy, new age. This is the book. It's entitled Charlie Red Star True Reports of One of North America's Biggest UFO Sightings. And Grant's website is presidentialufo.com. Now, before I get back to Grant, I'd just like to thank everyone who downloaded the. August edition of the X Chronicles newspaper. The numbers are in over 7 million digital downloads. That's 7 million digital downloads of the X Chronicles newspaper for August. So thank each and every one of you for that. The September-October issue will be available for digital download at XChroniclesNewspaper.com this coming Sunday. So there you go give you something to read over the Thanksgiving Day weekend and don't eat too much turkey because you know what happens, right? You kind of eat that turkey and you take that glass of wine and uh, you just kind of kind of get lazy and you just want to shut your eyes just for a minute. And, well, you know where I'm going. Have a good, safe holiday weekend, everyone. And grant to you and your family in Winnipeg a very happy Thanksgiving.
2: Well, same to you, Rob. Banks. Always nice to say thank you for the situation we've gotten ourselves into. We've got a pretty easy life compared to some people. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Uh, Grant, uh,
1: is is Charlie Red Star the next level of human progression and human learning when it comes to our actual uh, origins? And why I'm asking this is because is it possible that Charlie Red Star, in earlier days of our existence could have been known as an angel
2: absolutely that's that's where that's where we're coming from with this thing is that that if you look at the UFO phenomenon I always say to people I've been in this since before Jesus was a carpenter and I know that this thing is not what it used to be I I started in 75 Mm -hmm. and what happened in 75 does not happen now what happens now did not happen in 75 if you look at the UFO phenomenon even from 1890 on you have uh in the 1890s you have these wooden ships with propellers flying around yeah then you have the the foo fighters then you have the green fireballs then you have the the bell type adamski crafts then you have flying saucers with windows then you have flying saucers without windows then you have the 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 angel hair which doesn't happen anymore Mm -hmm. then you have the now it's triangles are are the predominant thing you had ground traces when I was there where they would land on the ground and leave pod marks and burn out crops and stuff. That hasn't happened for 20 years. And so you see the fact that they're sort of moving it along. Yeah. And in a lot of the experiencer things, uh, I, I just published a book by a girl by the name of Nancy Tremaine who's uh, dealt with the reptilians. And, of course, because... Uh, Every says they're evil and I asked her are they evil she said no I said okay I'd like to publish her book uh, she encounters alien uh, angels at the end in, in book two she's mm-hmm. starting book two and you'll see this over and over again whether it's Beta Andreassen, whether it's Chris Bledsoe whether it's Nancy Tremaine a number of these experiencers will go from aliens into like an angel type figure and that's the whole thing is uh, our mind has so much more to do with it and it, it came almost like it's elevated if you're if your mind starts to elevate you move to different levels and Deal with different sort of uh, beings, depending upon what your your vibration is. Almost like if you're at a very low vibration, the only alien that's going to find you is one that's vibrating Maybe. at a very low frequency.
1: Also, uh, what I've noticed over the years, having the opportunity of speaking to you and uh, and people like um, you know Stan Friedman and other leaders in the UFO field, is that I remember going back to the 70s, UFOs were seen over high power tension wires, yep. and then it moved to nuclear sites and uh, nuclear uh, plants, as if showing a progression from hydroelectric or, or a power grid to nuclear energy to what's next.
2: Yeah. Well, the nuclear thing I do know, because that was involved with Charlie Red Star, is that I didn't really know why they had appeared here in Manitoba, mm-hmm. and the guy who ran the airport, his name is Bob Deemer, in Carmen, uh, I went back to him, I was gonna do a lecture like 30 years after the event, and, and I said to Bob, I said, Bob, why were they here in, in Manitoba? And this is like Carmen, it's like grain farm, there's nothing here, and he said, you know why they're here? And I said, no, I don't know why they're here. And he said, yeah, I told you, 1975, I told you why they're here. I said, Bob, it's 30 years, I don't know why they're here, I have no idea why they're here. And he said, the nuclear missiles, I told you the nuclear missiles, and I, and as soon as he said that, I knew because we live in Manitoba, and mm-hmm. we know that there was there's 300 Minuteman three nuclear missiles in North Dakota with three warheads each, and and that that's the number one target of of the enemy. That you got to take out the missiles, otherwise you're gone. So they were we always knew that if there was a nuclear war, we were gone in Winnipeg. And in 1975, what I discovered was that they put in the only anti-ballistic missile unit that everyone operational in the United States. They put in 100 new nuclear missiles to try to shoot down the Russian ICBMs that would come in and try to knock out the North Dakota missiles. And it was exactly when they started to put those missiles in. That's when the sightings started, and then they negotiated with the Russians in November of 1975, and and sort of stopped this thing and started taking the missiles out. And that's when the sightings went away and didn't come back. They they seem very very disturbed about um, uh, nuclear uh, power, nuclear missiles, as if this is something that, that um, almost almost like when we detonated the first atomic bomb in 1945. That's when they appeared in mass. And um, the contactees, the, the guys like Adamski and Williamson, yeah. actually appeared a couple of days after the detonation of the hydrogen bomb. That's when the first contactees first started coming forward and saying, they're telling us to stop the nuclear stuff. I talked to a girl in North Dakota, took me to a nuclear missile missile that's still in operation. And I, she told me she had had a sighting with two other girls there when they were about nine years old. And uh, we were standing there and I said, well, where where did the UFO come out? She said, it came out of that metal thing there. I said, are you sure it came out of the metal thing? It came right out of that metal thing. She said, yeah, and that's where the missile is. So she talked about this UFO coming right out of the missile silo through the metal and it was this metal type thing that was rotating, a copper looked like it had burn marks on the side, rotating at a very high speed in plain daylight and then just flew away. So there is a very clear direct connection between uh, nuclear uh, energy and the the beings, and, there, and a lot of experiencers and people who have interacted with them say that they are not very happy about the, uh, our uh, move to nuclear weapons, and because it seems mm-hmm. to they seem to say that you can actually not only affect our environment but affect the entire universe by using these things.
1: We're we're in a very difficult time as I see it in our in our Earth's history we have nuclear threat in Korea we have the dismantling of the nuclear agreement with Iran going on Iran now has its own ballistic missile if God forbid either one of these two maniacs were to hit their nuclear launch buttons do you think that those that are called extraterrestrials, for lack of a better word, and no disrespect, Grant, Mm -hmm. would they intervene?
2: Uh, If you're familiar with the story, when I first did the Charlie Red Star story, uh, nobody would publish the books. I Mm -hmm. said, okay, enough of this nonsense. Um, A guy who worked in my father's office, my father was a pilot for the Canadian government for the Department of Transport. A guy in his office said, if you really want to know what's going on with UFOs, you should study what the Canadian government was doing in the 1950s, early 1950s. Was that with Wilbur Smith? Wilbur Smith, yeah. and, and most people don't know, because we kept it secret for many years, he was a contactee, yeah. he was dealing with, with aliens, he had a, a radio uh, telecommunication system that is now being duplicated by a guy in Ireland, and it's actually going live next month. And he believes he's going to get a signal. And it's using the same technology that Wilbur used in the 1950s. Anyway, he was in contact with with an alien whose name was AFA. They were going to land this at Suffield, Alberta in 1954. Paul Hallier talked about this mm-hmm. in a speech that he gave in 1967. And basically, um, Wilbur said that AFA told him that if there was a nuclear exchange, they would step in and stop it. That is the only time they would step in, and if people didn't believe that they could stop in and step in, stop a nuclear exchange, they could take the world in front of the they could take the moon in front of the entire world, split it in half, and put it back together to prove that they had the power to do it. Other than a nuclear war, they will not step in. They will allow the human race to stew in its own juices. That's what Wilbur Smith claimed that the aliens told him. Wow.
1: I hope it doesn't come to that, my friend. Can can you just imagine looking out your back window and seeing the moon being split in half (laughs) and then being put back together again? Yeah, because there's
2: always this thing about non-intervention. This right. Sort of. A, there's this law that they're not really, and that is true. Like I, I've argued with people about this, where they should come and feed the poor, and they should do this and do that. Mm-hmm. And they always say you, you're confusing these guys with Santa Claus. They're they're not here <laughs> to bring us a bunch of stuff. They're here to give us mo- most of the experiences. Like, uh, Edgar Mitchell Foundation had. Interviewed 4,000 people claim to have interacted with the beings, and what they're basically saying that that they're being told this this uh, idea that uh, 39% of them are shown the environmental damage. They're shown the the screen on board the ship where they're shown how the the we're destroying the environment, and a lot of them are told about the nuclear weapons. So we know sort of what the message is. These uh, people are claiming through these people and and it's a very high percentage it's like 39% are claiming to get these messages of environment so it's not one or two people that are making up a story this is a, a pretty general pattern among experiencers that they'll they'll say you know i'll say have, you know have you seen the screen Mm-hmm. And they know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I saw the screen. Yeah, I saw the screen. They showed me the screen. And the screen shows all these, these things where they're just giving us warnings. So the more I see UFOs, the more I think it's, it's a lot about messaging. They're not really here to take our gold. Aliens don't wear jewelry. They don't need our gold. Uh, they don't really have any sort of material things that they want. They're basically, a lot of it's just these messages about the situation that we're in at, at this particular time in history, especially since we detonated the atomic bomb.
1: What about uh, the crop circles? Is there any correlation between the extraterrestrials and the crop circles?
2: Uh, I think so. I think what crop circles is the same thing. It's messaging. It's Mm -hmm. all messaging. And all they want to do is they're not going to disclose, same as the government's not going to disclose, the the aliens not going to disclose. They're doing this gradual drip 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 thing where they're making you think. It's almost like there's actually a study. It was done with people. They would test their intelligence, and then they'd make them read Kafka plays, and then they would test their intelligence again, and their intelligence would actually go up. What they're trying to do is they're trying to get us to think. They're trying to get us to figure it out for ourselves. So that when we get the answer, then it's solid. It's not like we're going to go into Iran and Iraq and Afghanistan and say, okay, we're here to bring you freedom democracy, Jesus and McDonald's, and you guys are all wrong, and this is what you're going to do, and then and and the question is, how did that work out? It doesn't work out. You can't go in and change a society by telling them they're wrong and, and, and sort of dominating society. So they're doing this sort of a gradual thing where they're dropping these, everybody's trying to figure out what does a crop circle mean? And Mm -hmm. people are thinking the same as experiencers. They don't get a whole story. They get little bits and pieces like breadcrumbs, little piece here, little piece there. And they're. All, if you talk to experiences, they're trying to put this piece together. What does this mean? They told me this. And that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make us think. And I think the government's doing exactly the same thing. They're doing these this gradual uh, disclosure of items and trying to get us slowly to acclimatize us to the fact that we aren't alone. Because a lot of people, especially the scientific community, yeah. is going to be devastated when this thing comes and they suddenly feel realize that most of the stuff they learned in their life was totally wrong.
1: You know, uh, two things. Uh, we've got to take our our break in a in a in a very short period of time. Yeah. You know, uh, you're the only person I know that could actually put Jesus and McDonald's in the same sentence, <laughs> and where it actually does make sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and, yeah. and if if the scientific community is devastated, what will happen to the religious philosophies, Christianity, into islam into you know the hebrews they'll be well, so, totally yeah, blown some are, out of the some water going too.
2: to be devastated sure yeah. the, the roman catholics have started to get ahead of it the roman catholics have actually made statements that they ex- accept the fact that there's extraterrestrials and they're ready to baptize them so they've, they've wow. made the move there and they're they're ready to go but yeah a lot of people are going to be affected even when you hear some of the stories that people don't realize is that the whole story about the stock market melting down where suddenly everything becomes uncertain the, the question is, what happens if just people start shorting the stock market? What are you going to wow. do?
1: Grant, stand by, my friend. You and I have to take our final break for this uh, segment. Exxon Nation, Grant Cameron is our special guest. His book is entitled Charlie Red Star, True Reports of One of North America's Biggest UFO Sightings, and his website is presidentialufo.com. I'll be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center, in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And to all our Canadian listeners, a very happy and safe Thanksgiving. Welcome back, everyone. Grant Cameron is our special guest. His website is presidentialufo.com, and we're talking to Grant this hour about his book, Charlie Redstar, true reports of one of North America's biggest UFO sightings and published by our friends at Dundurn. Once again, www.presidentialufo.com. Grant, why wouldn't the government want to be honest and tell us what's going on? Would, it, would that not work to the advantage of, of the government as well as to the advantage of the extraterrestrials?
2: Uh, No, because uh, the way I see it, I Mm -hmm. I wrote a book called Managing Magic, which uh, one chapter is called The 64 Reasons They've Decided Not to Tell You the Truth. I would say that the vast... Major reason that they're not telling you the truth is if you're the U.S. military, you're into separation, you're into enemies, you're into um, us versus them. We're the good guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got this technology, and the technology is not just nuts and bolts of how they get here, how what the metal is, all this sort of stuff. It's the consciousness thing. They they recovered a live alien in 1947. They was talking in people's heads. They could get in people's heads, put messages in people's heads, and they went, "Wow." Would we love this? Whoever controls this technology will rule the world. And it's almost like I'm interested in an atomic bomb. I'd like to know how to build an atomic bomb. They will never disclose that, and they will never disclose this because they don't want to give it to al-Qaeda and ISIS and Russia and China. They figure we're the good guys, and we need all this stuff. So they're developing military technology out of what they're they're discovering in the black ops that are operating the UFO stuff that they've recovered. How much... Of a part does Hollywood
1: play in the forthcoming disclosure?
2: Oh, absolutely. That's one of the main places they do it. Uh, if, you're, if you're a CIA, I know this for a fact, uh, there's a guy by the name of Chase Brandon came mm-hmm. out wrote a book called the Christos conundrum in 2012. He walked out, uh, told this story and then walked back into the shadows and nobody chased him. He was the liaison for Hollywood from the CIA. He was there for 10 years. Uh, he could speak on behalf of the CIA. He was very, very powerful. Uh, he would put these ideas into people's heads. So uh, when you're in, um, in the business, uh, of getting out stories, what you do is you fictionalize them, and that's what Chase Brandon did with the Roswell story. He said on 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 in front of a couple of million people, he said uh, Roswell was real, it was extraterrestrial, and there were there were cadavers. And he walked back into the shadows. But he wrote up a book uh, called Christos Conundrum, and he said, if you really want to, if you want a good story, read the book. He says, if you want to really learn something, read between the lines. And that's how the CIA does it. So if you save the world, Rob, and and you want to write the story for your kids, they say, okay, you can do it. Change this, change that, change the dates, change all this, and fictionalize it. So that's how they're getting the story out. In fact, this year, I say that the story is the portal, as they're trying to push. In last year's season, there were six TV shows that suddenly had portals in them. Hmm. And uh, there's no doubt to me this was coming from uh, from intelligence people who are dropping these ideas in there, and uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they've been doing this right from the word go. I we know that that Walt Disney in 1956 was asked to do a documentary. They offered him film, uh, f- photographs, all this sort of stuff. He did the documentary, and then they pulled the film. Uh, a good friend of mine, Rob Emin- Bob Eminger, uh, did a major documentary in the 1970s. He had complete cooperation of every U.S. Uh, agency same thing happened to him they pulled all the film at the last second and uh, he put out a documentary so they do this all the time it's you either have two choices either you kill everybody in Hollywood and try to stop them from doing UFO movies or you get on their side and try to manage the stories that's what they're doing they're just nudging the story in a certain direction trying to get you to present the CIA guys as good guys and and they're managing the story that is I'd say where the vast majority of the manipulation of the public is done is done through Hollywood
1: do you think the, the leaders of the nation, such as uh, our illustrious Justin Trudeau, uh, President Donald Trump, and um, uh, the Russian leader, what's his name? Put Putin. Putin, yeah. Do you think Putin. that they know the truth?
2: I, I believe, uh, for sure, I, I believe that Trump does, because this Ron Pandolfi guy that I chase around mm-hmm. uh, basically was with him and claimed that he had, Uh, Briefed him and that his wife had helped brief him. Uh, So yes, I'm not sure about Trudeau I'm not really sure. I know Paul Hellier told a story two years ago in Toronto I don't know if you heard it, but he said and this made sense uh, the head of emergency management in Canada is briefed. He's one of the guys that's briefed. And that makes sense because if something happens, there's a crash, you can't control it. you got some problems on your hand. You're going to have to put some money in the banks. You're going to have to stop the, yeah. stop, stop the stock market from melting down. So the head of emergency management, I can guarantee you the Canadians have a plan, a hypothetical plan, if something like this happens. And the emergency management guy on his deathbed told Paul Aylure, yes, I was briefed. I was taken down. I was shown the whole thing. And that makes sense. The FEMA people would know. And uh, definitely the, the president... But It's basically I think an operation where the Canadians are saluting to the Americans It's basically an American operation and the Russians may have their operation, but the Americans control I would say the vast majority of this subject.
1: What really happens at area 51?
2: Um, I Believe that what they did is they put a guy into area 51. The whole story is true if if you um, listen to uh, George Knapp, who mm-hmm. was the, uh, won 22 Emmy Awards for investigative journalism, he talked to a high-level guy. I, he's told me the story. I know who the guy is. Uh, said, absolutely. He talked to this high-level guy. He tracked this guy down. He said, if this is true, this guy knows. And the guy said, yeah, it's true. It abs- yeah, yes, true. And he said, well, what, weren't you weren't you afraid the story was going to get out? The guy said, no, we were afraid it was going to get out. And he said, what, you mean he had a live alien? And the guy said... Well, we couldn't communicate with it. And this is coming from George Knapp. This is not coming from somebody off the street. And George talked to this guy for six months. And then the guy suddenly uh, started stopped talking. He said they were, they're following us. And uh, supposedly he made a tape for George Knapp. And I heard it's in a vault in Las Vegas. We're going to see what's happened. Uh, George doesn't have access to it. But these are the kind of stories when you talk to the people who actually investigate it, you suddenly realize that, yes, this story was that story was true. And they leaked this story out on purpose. They actually leaked it out. Mm-hmm. And it sort of got a little bit out of control. But they sort of got a back under control but yes it's true they have the the, they had a live alien there and they had the the crafts back engineered there they may have moved it because once they it was exposed somebody said now they have it on an island in the south pacific so i'm not sure where the technology stuff is is being done but absolutely and area 51 they're doing all sorts of weird stuff there not just ufo stuff i mean nobody knows anything that they're doing there do
1: you think that uh that the ets for a lack of better words are actually interacting with us Walking Absolutely. among us, and we just don't know it. They, they can, they can
2: actually pass themselves off as us. Wilbur Smith said. He said. I... I would he said I would know them if you if I saw them on the street you would not which indicated that yes they, they according to Wilbur Smith the ones he was dealing with he said could 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 bypass they're definitely interacting with with people as no doubt 42% of all experiencers the, these mm-hmm. 4,000 people who answered the question 42% they've got mathematical scientific or technical material in their head that they didn't learn in school like quantum physics uh, papers and stuff like this and they, they, these people have no background in physics and stuff like that and these people are writing these papers they're downloading lots of stuff into a lot of different people it it just amazed me when I started talking to these people how many of them uh, are, are I've got ideas uh, and uh, Nobel Prize winners, the, the the guy that did the duplicating of DNA, he's an experiencer, and he won the, the Nobel Prize. And so the idea is, where did he get that idea for that Nobel Prize about duplicating DNA? So there's, uh, I do believe, absolutely, and that's why I'm interested in experiencers, is that you have uh, you know, 42% of downloads, and 40% of all experiencers who answered the question said, at one point during their experience, they knew the answer to everything in the universe, which indicates that everything is over there. All the answers are there, and it is a matter of can we hack the computer? Can we get the password and hack into the computer? And that's why experiences are so important, or talking to, interacting with aliens, is because they're on the other side. They have more access to this this knowledge than we do. We just we think that everything is, is the way we have it, and we don't realize that all the answers are basically somewhere, and if you can hack the computer, and you'd be crazy not to try to do it, of you can get the answers to a lot of stuff that, that are problems that we have today.
1: So what do you think is next in the, in the E.T. agenda?
2: Well, the, the CIA, this Ron Pandolfi guy, is getting a six-part documentary. It's going to be done on the Avery uh, through Hollywood. Uh, I know the producer that's doing it. Uh, I know the writer of the, the thing. I was offered an in on it. I said I didn't want to be in on it. They said, well, you can either be in on the inside and get 100% and be an executive producer, or you can be on the outside and get 10 to 15%. I said, I'll take the 10 to 15%. I'd rather be a chess player than a chess piece. And uh, they are putting this out. And two, the last two sessions of this six-part documentary are on portals. And, it, and it's a nonfiction thing. Cool. So the question is, if they drop this thing, and mm-hmm. I said, well, who's going on camera? I mean, who, who's going to do the portal thing? Who's going on camera with the portals that has any authority? And he said, well, Ron Pandolfi's wife. And I said, wow. I mean, if that happens, now maybe it's another, you know, fire drill where they're going to get us running around doing stuff and nothing's going to happen. But that's what I, that's what I've, I, mean, I was offered an in on this thing as an executive producer. Or I turned it down. But they, they, and the Avery is these guys, uh, high level intelligence, scientific, military people who had, uh, uh, at one point in their career had um, a connection with the UFO phenomena and then they all sort of got together and they're trying to figure out what's going on themselves and they, they got the name as the Avery and they have all these bird names and they're all these high-level people like Jack Vallee and Hal Putoff, and all these people who, uh, some of these people are going on camera as well to tell their story about being in the UFO phenomena and what they did during these years of, uh, of, of research.
1: Fascinating, truly fascinating. Grant, as always, whenever you're with us, time goes by so fast. Let our listeners know where they can buy a copy, their very own copy of Charlie Redstar.
2: Well, it'll be in all Canadian bookstores. Apparently, it's moving fairly well, or you can get it on Amazon.com. And the other books I've done, if you search my name at Amazon.com, I've done about six books and some on downloads, uh, some on the the, the disclosure thing, mm-hmm. and the Charlie Red Star um, thing, and my Facebook site, uh, my Presidential UFO Facebook site, I'm posting a lot of the videos of this story that I say could be one of the biggest stories of all times. So it's one about this Zendra thing at Mount Shasta, California. I'm posting a lot of videos of the people that I filmed there, and that's at the Presidential UFO Facebook site that I have.
1: Grant, I want to thank you ever so much for joining us. Always a great pleasure talking to you, Grant. And I... I look forward to the next time you and I join each other back here in the Exxon, and like I said to you and your family, a very happy Thanksgiving.
2: Thanks for having me. Take care, Grant. Thank you.
1: Grant Cameron has been our guest this hour. Exonation. we've been talking about Grant's book, Charlie Red Star, true reports of one of North America's biggest UFO sightings, and Grant's website is presidentialufo.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour. As we continue here in the X-Zone with yours truly Rob McConnell from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada on the all-new X-Zone Broadcast Network.
0: Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner. Really testing the limits of that phrase. The more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. Here at Mountain Dew, we'd like to remind you, you gotta know what's important and what's not important. Knowing how to tie a tie, not important. Keeping a diary, not important. Trying all the different bold flavors of Mountain Dew, important. Experience the boldest flavors on earth. Do the Dew. At Mountain Dew, we'd like to recognize the number zero for making Mountain Dew Zero Sugar possible. You have no reason not to try it, as in zero. Get it? Crack open an ice-cold Mountain Dew Zero Sugar. It's zero sugar, all dew.